this is the More Than Right Podcast, and I'm your host, Steve Lopez. The year 1947 was an interesting one, to say the least. On June 24th, private pilot Kenneth Arnold caused a national sensation and something of a panic after he reported seeing fast-flying, saucer-like craft in the skies over Mount Rainier in Washington State. The following month, the U.S. Army Air Corps announced it had recovered a flying saucer that crashed near Roswell, New Mexico. They later retracted the claim, saying the debris was that of a weather balloon. When in 1950, President Harry S. Truman was asked if the U.S. military was investigating the unidentified flying object phenomena, he told the White House press corps, Oh yes, we discussed it at every conference that we had with the military, and they never had been, never were able to make me a concrete report on. You have anything on the subject, sir? No, I haven't, I haven't anything on the subject. And there, there's always things like that going on. CBS Late Late Show host James Corden asked former President Bill Clinton about the rumors of recovered alien spacecraft and their dead pilots housed at Area 51. When I was president, and I had a chief of staff, John Podesta, who loved science fiction, we made every attempt to find out everything about Roswell. <laughs> and, I, and we also sent people to Area 51 to make sure there were no aliens in a deep <laughs> Because Area 51 is very important. Who do you send to Area 51? Oh, if I told you that. <laughs> no, actually, I... I sent my uh, Sandy Berger, who passed away, sadly, a couple of years ago, who was my national security advisor. But I said, we got to find out how we're going to deal with this, because that's where we do a lot of our invisibility research in terms of technology. Like, how do we have fly airplanes that aren't picked up by radar and all that? There's no aliens, as I know. Just in passing, Sandy Berger, Clinton's national security advisor and Area 51 inspector, pleaded guilty to smuggling highly classified documents from the National Archive in 2003. In fact, he destroyed several of these papers. The press claimed the top-secret documents pertained to the Clinton administration's failure to capture or kill al-Qaeda terrorist Osama bin Laden in early 2000. But did the documents Berger stuffed into his socks and down his trousers concern what he found while snooping around Area 51? Meanwhile, Corden asked the same question about extraterrestrial visitors of former President Barack Obama. When I came into office, I asked, right? I, I was like, all right, you know, is there the lab somewhere where we're keeping the uh, <laughs> alien specimens in spaceship? Uh, and, uh, uh, my, you know, they did a little bit of research and... Uh, uh, the answer was no. But the former president added, There's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. U.S. presidents have treated the UFO question, as well as alleged encounters between the U.S. government and little green men, with humor while simultaneously maintaining that UFOs are real but not fully understood. More recently, UFOs, or UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, as our military bureaucrats now call them, 
are back in the news and with the approval of the White House and a bipartisan gaggle in Congress. Seventy-five years after pilot Kenneth Arnold's sensational UFO sighting in 1947, the House Oversight Committee opened hearings into possible alien visitations to the land of the free and the home of the brave. One of the first witnesses to appear before the committee was David Grush, former senior intelligence officer with the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. He began by explaining why he became a whistleblower. I became a whistleblower through a PPD-19 urgent concern filing in uh, May 2022 uh, with the Intelligence Community Inspector General. Uh, following concerning reports from multiple esteemed and credentialed current and former military and intelligence community individuals that the U.S. government is operating with secrecy above congressional oversight uh, with regards to UAPs. My testimony is based on information I've been given by individuals with a long-standing track record of legitimacy and service to this country many of whom also have shared compelling evidence in the form of photography, official documentation, and classified oral testimony to myself and many my various colleagues. I have taken every step I can to corroborate this evidence over a period of four years while I was with the UAP task force and do my due diligence on the individual sharing it. Uh, this is because of these steps, I believe strongly uh, in the importance of bringing this information before you. I am driven by a commitment of both uh, to truth and transparency, rooted in our inherent duty to uphold the United States Constitution and protect the American people. Grush then told what he learned in the course of his duties that compelled him to come forward. Uh, I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade uh, UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program. Uh, to which I was denied access to those additional read-ons when I uh, requested it. I made the decision, based on the data I collected, to report this information to my superior, superiors and multiple inspectors general, and in effect becoming a whistleblower. As you know, I've suffered retaliation for my decision, uh, but I am hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead uh, to a positive outcome of uh, increased transparency. Eventually, Members of Congress got to ask some questions, and it was Republican Nancy Mace of South Carolina who asked the big questions. Do you believe that officials at the highest levels of our national security apparatus have unlawfully withheld information from Congress and subverted uh, our oversight authority? There are certain elected leaders that had more information that I'm not sure what they've shared with certain Gang of Eight members or etc., but uh, certainly... I would not be surprised. Okay. You've stated that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. 
And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness? Like, how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Gotcha. Um, Okay. So, and and you may or may not be able to answer my last question, and maybe we get into a skiff at the next hearing that we have, but what agency, sub-agency, what contractors, who should be called into the next hearing about UAPs, either in a public setting or even in a private setting? And, and you probably can't name names, but what agencies or organizations, contractors, et cetera, do we need to call in to get these questions answered, whether it's about funding, what programs are happening, and what's out there? I can give you a specific cooperative and hostile witness list of specific individuals uh, that were in those. And, and how soon can we get that list? I'm happy to provide that to you after the hearing. Now. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall of that sensitive compartmented information facility, or SCIF, when Grush gets down to specifics about recovered alien spacecraft and retrieved non-human biologicals, a.k.a. little green men? And then there's the military contractors Mr. Grush implies helped the Pentagon to reverse-engineer alien technology for defense purposes. And what names are among the list of hostile witnesses Grush says are part of this cosmic government cover-up? And why are they determined to keep the aforementioned information from the American people? And finally, is all this extraterrestrial uproar for real or simply a calculated distraction from a White House controversy that is spiraling out of control, threatening Joe Biden's re-election hopes for 2024? As you no doubt have heard, Hunter Biden's sweetheart deal with the U.S. Department of Justice fell through. When his attorneys learned the Justice Department was continuing its investigation into the crackhead's criminal shenanigans, all meticulously cataloged on Hunter Biden's so-called laptop from hell. As a result, Hunter switched his guilty plea to not guilty. As you may know, Missing among Hunter's previous admissions of guilt was copping to not registering as a foreign agent while representing CEFC China Energy and Burisma Holdings of Ukraine, a felony violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which requires, quote, certain agents of a foreign principal who are engaged in political activities or other activities specified under the statute to make periodic public disclosure of their relationship with the foreign principal, as well as activities, receipts, and disbursements in support of those activities. As IRS whistleblower Joseph Ziegler testified to Congress, Hunter Biden failed to pay income tax on his ill-gotten gains from Burisma in 2014 and has yet to amend that year's tax filing and following that money trail leads straight to the big guy, Joe Biden, of whom Hunter once complained to daughter Naomi, quote, I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard. But don't worry, unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary, unquote. You see, Washington's talk of extraterrestrial visitations appears to be something of a Hail Mary pass, a clunky act of political diversion as Hunter and his father's legal problems pop to the surface, like those toothy 
and relentless xenomorphs from the movie Aliens. Game over, man. Game over. What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs. Ohio Representative Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, has released what he calls the Facebook Files, which is similar in scope to Elon Musk's exposing the U.S. government's collusion with big tech companies to censor Americans opposed to Washington's authoritarian policies. In a post on X, formerly Twitter, Jordan said, quote, During the first half of 2021, Social media companies like Facebook faced tremendous pressure from the Biden White House, both publicly and privately, to crack down on alleged misinformation, unquote. Among the Facebook posts targeted by the Biden White House was a humorous meme showing Leonardo DiCaprio pointing. The caption read, quote, Ten years from now, you may be watching TV and hear, did you or a loved one take the COVID vaccine? You may be entitled... Dot, 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 unquote. The meme presages the likely outcome for pharmaceutical companies that produce COVID-19 vaccines which injured or killed otherwise healthy people. Damage caused by the U.S. government's authoritarian vaccine mandates. A 2021 email sent to employees from Boss and Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg reads, quote, We are facing continued pressure from external stakeholders, including the White House and the press, to remove more COVID-19 vaccine-discouraging content. For example, we recently shared with the White House a list of the top 100 vaccine-related posts on FB in the U.S. for the week of April 5th to April 11th. While authoritative information dominated the list, the White House was concerned that the number three post was a vaccine-discouraging humorous meme, and they called us to delete the meme, unquote. A stakeholder is a person, group, or organization with an interest or concern in the decisions or outcomes of another organization. The White House and its mainstream media shills have, says Zuckerberg, a stake in controlling the direction of public discourse on social media platforms. That's to say, controlling the free speech of Americans. And the subjects of this discourse have ranged from the origins of COVID, the effectiveness of COVID vaccines, and the stolen presidential election of 2020. The Biden White House and the media say controlling speech is meant to combat so-called disinformation. But who gets to define what is and isn't true? The government? The media? Or is truth, or a semblance of it, derived through open and free debate? The authors of the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights clearly thought the latter, which is why the First Amendment prohibits government from engaging in censorship. But governments have employed a new argument against the Constitution's guarantee of individual rights. They claim, 
no right is absolute. During a House Judiciary Committee hearing on government censorship, Democratic representative from the U.S. Virgin Islands, Stacey Plaskett, said, It's a free country. You absolutely have a right to say what you believe. But you don't have the right to a platform, public or private. Our right does not mean that we as Americans are not free from accountability. Since when have free Americans been accountable to government for what they say, right or wrong? Under our Constitution, the government is accountable to us, not the other way around. And then there's Democratic Representative Linda Chavez of California. Now, I'm an attorney by training, and one of the things I learned very early on in constitutional law is that no right given to the people of the United States is absolute, and that includes the right to free speech, because you do not have the right to shout fire in a crowded theater because it could produce harm and death of people by being false. These social media platforms have user policies to try to prevent that kind of harm. Her point is that unregulated free speech is physically harmful, if not outright violent. All this undermining of the individual Americans' unalienable rights elicited an eloquent response from GOP Representative Virginia Fox of North Carolina. We've certainly heard our fair share of hot air from Democrats as they attack the Constitution and the rights of Americans. A member from Rhode Island recently said that the constitutional rights of the American people are BS. President Biden claimed that the Second Amendment was not absolute. This is a new and dangerous standard that's being set, that the Constitution is merely a doormat that a member of Congress wipes his or her feet on. It'll surely pain my Democrat colleagues to hear this, but I'll say it anyway. The Constitution is absolute. If they have a problem respecting our founding document, then why did they take an oath to protect and defend it in the first place? Perhaps they need to do some soul-searching. That presupposes they have souls. That concludes this edition of the More Than Right podcast. If you feel so inclined please like and subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, this is Steve Lopez.